Is what we are about to uh, talk about the opinions of Mark and Dennis as individuals? Yes. Is it the opinions of our employers? No. No. Is it legal advice? No. Yet yeah, no. No, definitely no. Is it even remotely entertaining? That remains to be seen. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Good morning and welcome to the Hostile Work Environment with Mark and Dennis. That's Mark. And I'm Dennis. No, that's Dennis. Yeah, I threw you for a loop. Yeah, that was a little out of order. Um, How's it going? It's going well. It's been a couple weeks since we recorded. It has. We've been out and about. I hear you've been out and about. Where were you? So I was at the uh, NERMA conference, uh, Northwest Human Resources Management Association conference in Tacoma this week. I did a scintillating presentation on how to respond to EEOC charges. That topic can be scintillating? When I do it, it is. Oh, okay. Understood. So, uh, yeah, I had a good time doing that. It was nice to get out and about. Had, I don't know, 60, 70 people in the room maybe. And uh, did a little poll at the beginning about anybody listening to the podcast. And I got three or four hands go up. So that was very exciting. And then they found out which podcast and all the hands immediately went down. No, no, I said a... Oh, our podcast. Our podcast not just a podcast. On. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So. I thought they may, <laughs> you know, be into like, you know, WTF or... You know, Joe Rogan or something. Yeah, at the HR conference. But the HR people can listen, they listen to, to other things, but I, Mark I had just, you weren't there. I had just talked about our podcast. Okay, fine. No, good. I, that's that's good that you, you did. and me. Good. So, anyway, uh, really appreciate those who came just to see me talk because of the podcast. That was really cool. And um, to any new listeners, because I, I pimped the podcast out, uh, not super hard, but a little hard. To get folks there to listen, uh, any new listeners, welcome. Welcome. Uh, we're excited to have you here. Exactly. So that was cool. And uh, speaking of conferences, yeah, we have some stuff coming up, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we're we're going to do some conferences. We're going to do one here in Portland in October. Yeah, we we're we're going to be doing a live taping of the podcast. Yeah, we'll be co-hosting. Yeah, Permas. Which I is think it's co-emceeing. Co-emceeing. Uh, Portland's, uh, so PERMA, Portland Human Resources. I think they, I always want to call it Pharma. Pharma, right. And then I can see why, you know, maybe you don't want to do that. Yeah, so PERMA, uh, PERMA, uh, uh, what, I think it's October 24th, and we will be co-hosting their member appreciation night. Right, which is free for PERMA members here in Oregon. So if you are a member and you don't hate us too much, come to that. Yeah. Yeah. October 24th here in Portland. And um, we'll be recording a live episode. We're, we still got to talk and figure out what our format for that is. Yeah, we have be no exactly. clue. Uh, uh, probably the same format as this podcast, which is none. Right. So we'll just make it up as we go along, like we usually do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Seems to work out so far. So, yeah. So that's one potential opportunity to see us speak. There's another one, too. Yeah, in the big city of Seattle, Washington. Yeah, November 9th, I think it is. Uh, let me pull it up. And this one is a risk management conference of Yes, the Pacific Northwest Enterprise Risk Forum. Uh, we the PNRF. The PNRF. 
<laughs> uh, November 8th, uh, up in Seattle. Yeah. And so um, if you're into risk or managing such, we'll come see us at Penerf. And we'll do a risk centered version of the podcast. Yeah. We'll talk about risky things, risky business. Risky business. It'll Speaking be of pimping things out. It's <laughs> a way to tie it all together, right? Oh there. yeah. Um, so yeah, so we've got a lot coming up. We hope that some of you will come and see us. Uh, and that's not—is it performance? It's kind of like weird law performance. I, I don't know what you call it. It's it's its own thing. We're pioneers. Law in, pioneers. Yes. And podcasts. And that we pioneers. don't make laws or particularly well interpret laws. Or, or give legal advice. Or give legal advice about laws. But it is law, a law performance. Sometimes we talk about law. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything we, else for the good of the order? Yeah. So we also, we got two new iTunes reviews over the last couple of days. Wow. And they're two of my favorite ones ever. Really? Yeah. Do tell. So we got our first non-five-star review with a review. Hey, thank you, people. It was four stars. Oh. And I'm going to read it because you'll see why it makes me so happy. It says, uh, so it says, entertaining and educational. Okay, thank you. While the episodes are a bit long, mostly because of ramblings and interruptions on Dennis's behalf. I do enjoy the stories discussed and brainstorming possible solutions between these two gentlemen. Thank you for bringing humor to the sometimes difficult conversations within these HR issues. More guest speakers, please. You wrote that, didn't you? I so did not you write totally that. totally wrote that. It's by Callie Katie. Thank you, Callie Katie, for calling out Dennis and his frequent interruptions of my brilliance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I still think Callie Katie is, you know... Mark Alifans in disguise, but whatever. We'll go. I look like a Callie Katie. You know, it's, it's, you know, and there is somebody in this administration acting to thwart my agenda. That is what's going on. Fair enough. And I will say we do. And they are a coward. (laughs) And they should be investigated. Come investigate me. Treason? Nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. No collusion? No collusion in the hostile work environment administration. All right. Um, and to speak to our guests, we will be having a guest today. We will be having a guest who today. Who is sitting in the room with us right now. But trying, she's trying to remain not, anonymous. Trying to remain anonymous and not laugh. Right. And failing miserably. Failing miserably. Yeah. We need to work on that. Okay. So. What's the other review? Make okay. it quick. We're running out of time. It's a long one. Because, you know, Katie, a.k.a. Mark. Doesn't really, want us to go on yeah. rambling for too long. Or so, have me interrupt. So uh, this is from uh, our friend and former contributor, Dan Arkey. Oh, yeah. I like Dan Arkey. It's like having beers with your uncles in the best way is the subject. Now, sure, not all uncles are created equal, but when you hang out with an intelligent, personable, and slightly dorky uncle, you are experiencing what my own slightly dorky uncle would refer to as a slice of life. What Mark, with a C, and Dennis, two N's, bring you weekly, (laughs) it matters if you care about the French... No, he says it matters if you care about the French spellings of their names, you see. It's quite a bit like listening to your uncles talk about their careers and experience. Mark and Dennis's careers and experience, as it happens, is relatable to practically every person who has ever had a job. Mark and Dennis break down what to you and me would be very intricate and baffling questions regarding employment law 
And they make their observations in language that is, like, understandable AF. Thank you. Yes. I've no idea what AF means. Um, you don't? Really? Uh, I actually do. You do. I'm just and so to do pretend our listeners. that we are a higher brow I'm podcast I'm reading what somebody wrote are. about us, you know. Uh, but get bent if you take what they say as legal advice. <laughs> If you haven't called your supportive and slightly slightly nerdy uncles lately, take this opportunity to do so. If you don't want to or you have no uncles, come see what all the fuss is about. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Wow, that was really nice. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, Dan. He signed up Rose City Soccer Guy. I also know it's Danarchy. So okay, cool. Thanks, Dan. totally call him out for that. And just on, on a completely serious note, one of the ways that we get found by other people is if you give us reviews and you rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or Google or whatever sort of podcasting thing that you use, that allows other people to see that we're out there and that helps draw people into our community who in turn contribute stories and anecdotes and communicate on social media and it's good for the collective order. So by all means, we encourage that. Especially when you insult Dennis. Um, especially not. <sighs> so I hear that you have something to talk about today that should come as no surprise to any of our listeners who basically read the news at all. Or follow kind of HR, social media, or any of that stuff. No, I don't have anything that's been in the news. No? No. I actually wanted to really sort of change the format of this slightly and bring in a new kind of topic. Oh. So I have one question for you today, Mark. (laughs) Just one. Yeah. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And before you answer, Mm. let me just say, if the answer is no, we're done here. This is this is here for a Christian podcast. This is now known as the Come to Jesus Hour with Mark and Dennis. It, but it, you're going to have to be on board case, with this. It's got to be Jews for Jesus. That we're going to get into that. <laughs> I hear they exist. Jesus's door is open to everybody who's willing to accept him as their personal Lord and Savior. Are you, are you down? Because if not, Mark, I'm afraid we're done here. Well, you know, I enjoy doing the podcast with you, and I think we should explore that. I would be willing to pay you. You'd be willing to pay me? To accept Jesus as your personal so Lord and Savior. Is that would, that, would that change your mind here at all? Well, I mean, that, that kind of gets into to some stuff, but does that mean that you're you're kind of taking ownership of the podcast and I'm now your employee? Are you paying paying uh, I, me a wage? I, I think so. I think I'm going to pay you a wage to, um, you know, have a big Jesus fest here on the oh, podcast. So our special guest is not doing. Don't, don't, I just got the raspberry. Special I just got the tongue just, stuck out at me and is shaking her head at me, saying Same. I should not accept your proposition. Yeah. So now I just got a happy nut. So I think based on the advice of our special guest counsel, I'm. <laughs> Who's not giving legal advice, by the way, and who is not a licensed lawyer? I, I think I'm going to have to decline that offer and and hope that you're still willing to talk to me. Okay. Maybe a little. 
So for those of you who have read the news, you may recognize where we're going with this. There was a case from our own home state of Oregon. Finally. Although it's from Albany, which if you're in Oregon, you kind of know Albany. It's, you know, <laughs> um, it, it's sort of the rural West Virginia of Oregon. Mm, except for the fact that there are more rural West Virginia parts of Oregon than Albany. Like Albany does have a freeway. I'll give it that. Right. Much. Like the interstate goes through. Yeah, true. But aside from that, it's... And, and, no, they're they're. It's a far cry from Portland, though not that far from yeah. Portland. I mean, physically, geographically. But here's what happened: a guy named Ryan Coleman is suing his former employer, claiming religious discrimination, and that in and of itself is not terribly remarkable. But what a lot of people asked for us to cover and to talk about is what form this religious discrimination took. What happened here? This is a construction company that's run by a guy named Joel Dahl. Joel Dahl is a former felon who got out of prison and started up a construction company. And part of his life journey was to accept Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, as one is frequently want to do when one is in prison. He says that doing so helped him overcome his methamphetamine addictions and some of his other antisocial behavior, such as breaking into people's homes and stealing their junk for meth money. He's now living a fine, upstanding life as a community member and owner of a construction business. But part of his construction business is to hire other former convicts who now want to live life on the straight and narrow. And part of Joel's requirements for joining his construction firm are that they also accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and attend his Bible study groups on company time. Mark, any problems with that? Sounds good to me. Let's do it. I'm thinking maybe that could be a little bit problematic. You think? I'm thinking so. So he actually had, Joel did, he actually had a pastor come into the workplace while everybody was on the clock to hold Bible study sessions. Well, that went over well with everybody, except one guy, our buddy Ryan. Ryan, who is himself saying half Caucasian and half Native American, is not of the Christian faith. Rather, he believes in Native American religious traditions and objects to the idea that he should have to go through Bible study in order to have a job. I agree. So he stomped his feet <laughs> and said, no, I'm not going to do that. And guess what? Our buddy Joel fired him. Ryan is now suing, claiming religious discrimination. Mark, does he have a case? I think he probably has a case. I think he's probably got a case. I mean, it's it's not even that complicated, but it's right. I mean, we we've talked about BFOQ kind of situations before, you know, bona fide occupational qualification, and sometimes right. sometimes religion can can factor into to that. Yeah, right. if you're going to work as a rabbi, right, probably need to be a Jew, right? Probably. I mean. I'm not familiar with all the ins and outs of the reform movement, but I'm thinking that's probably still part of the package. It's probably right? something that would cause you to not 
be subject to the discrimination laws when you did not hire somebody to be a rabbi who was not Jewish. Right. Right. So, but what about a construction company that brands itself as a Christian construction company engaged in the active reformation of people who have gone astray in their lives and now want to live a better and more ethical and, dare I say, Christian life? I mean, I think most of that is wonderful, except for the the pushing of religion onto individuals uh, when it has nothing to do with the actual job itself. And remember, we've had conversations in the past in particular about professors at Christian universities. Yes. Right. So we talked about that. We talked about one relatively local to here, in fact, that had that as part of a job posting for you know, a physics professor must be a Christ, Christ follower, follower, if memory serves. And I find that that's actually pretty common in job postings for yeah. for religious affiliated universities. And I'm surprised at that because me to, to me, that is not really not a BFOQ. No. And you can teach physics and right or any other subject except maybe maybe make a carve out on on something theological or right. religion class though even then if it's an academic study of that religion right. you don't Comparative have to be an adherent of that religion to teach about that religion no. um, I struggle with that and this to me is more like that um, where you've made it a term or condition of employment that you must participate in in a religious a- activity and I, I, especially if you then fire somebody because of it, you are essentially firing someone because of their religious beliefs or lack thereof. Well, let's That's talk a little cool. bit about how this went down because I find this interesting. So here's a few other facts of note. So remember how the owner of this construction company is named Joel Dahl, D-A-H-L? Yes, I do recall that. Guess what he calls his business? Oh, I don't know. Dolled up. Dolled up. That's... Dolled up construction. Wow, that's so right. That sounds that's a strike against him right there. That sounds very religious. I find that to be a hostile work environment. Working for a company with a bad pun in the name. Yeah. So strike number one. Number two. Here's what happened. Our friend Ryan Coleman, the plaintiff in this case, went to Dahl and said, "Look, this whole required Bible study thing is illegal." But Dahl had, would not hear of it. He said, this is my company and I get to do what I want. Ryan went to him and said, I've kept an open mind and this is just not my thing. Dahl said, well, I'm going to have to replace you. You're not going to tell me how to run my own company. Ryan said, I'm not trying to tell you how to run your own company, but you're not going to tell me what God to pray to. And thus ended Mr. Mr. Coleman's employment. Now, normally, you would think in a case like this, he'd get sued. Our friend Dahl would, you know, lawyer up, not just Dahl up, but lawyer up, and get somebody to explain to him that, like, you know, buddy, you're not really running a church or a temple or anything else where religion can be required. But that's not what happened. He found a guy. A guy by, and it's, his name's in the public record. His name's Kent Hickman. I have to say, I've never encountered Mr. Hickman. And he says, no, my client does require everybody to attend Bible study. But it's okay. And it's right. perfectly legal <laughs> because they're paid to attend. This isn't like you have to attend Bible study during your lunch break when you're off the clock. No. 
you're on the clock getting proselytized to. Makes it all okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad Mr. Hickman, or Hickam, weighed in on this, because, you know, I was under the apparently mistaken belief that it would still be problematic just because you're on the clock. But apparently you can pay somebody, and then they have to attend Bible study. It's awesome, right? It sounds like a sound legal reasoning to me. Said no sane <laughs> lawyer ever. Um, I'm going to take a wild guess that Mr. Hickam is not really an employment lawyer. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess You're that. probably right. Because I've never met an employment lawyer who would take that position. Yeah. It's not cool. So, so this... This begs another question for me. So I, I actually have known someone who I shall keep nameless here who worked for a law firm, a small law firm, yeah. who wasn't specifically required to join hands in a prayer circle every day at work, but felt that if she did not, she would have been fired. Oh, or could have been ostracized, yeah, or otherwise um, viewed differently. Yes. What advice would you give to somebody who finds themselves in that situation? It's, it's less black and white than this one, where it's participate or you're fired, right? Especially if it's a law firm. I mean, I thought that was a, a fascinating fact about it. And, um, and is your question here? What should the employer be doing differently? No. What should the employee do? finds themselves in that kind of situation. Wow. You know, I'm not in the business of giving advice to employees very Right, frequently. neither am I. That's so, why I was you know, asking this, you. This, yeah, I know. Um, I think that's a time to have a conversation with your HR rep. You know, if you're feeling like you are being left out of something because of your choice not to participate in a religious observance, then that would be something to take to HR and say, look, this is going on. I don't necessarily have a problem with it as long as it doesn't impact me and my advancement opportunities or my work assignment. I, I need or somebody like to make that. me feel assured that my, my yeah. lack of participation is not going to cause me any difference in terms of advancement opportunities yeah. or treatment in the workplace. Right. Um, I think those are all fair things for somebody to request. And is it okay? For employers, though, to have a completely voluntary prayer moment or circle well, at the workplace. Here's the thing. I think those are two questions. One, they, is it illegal? Yeah. Two, is it wise? Okay, let's address both of those. Is it illegal? No, it's fine. You can do that. It's not illegal. Two, is it wise? Maybe not. Because what I've seen, and I've actually handled more than one case like this, where there is a group, sometimes they do it on site, sometimes they do it off site, but everybody knows that here is a group of people who are all adherents to a particular religious belief. They practice or they study together. This employee comes along and says, I wasn't part of that. And then when the supervisor who was part of that group starts giving out advancements, raises, bonuses, Nice plum job assignments, you name it. Mm -hmm. I didn't get those. Yeah. But the guys who did go to Bible study did. Right. 
And bingo, you've got a religious discrimination case. Right there. It just sets it up. Now, whether whether those assignment choices had to do with religion or participation in Bible study or whatever, God only knows, no pun intended. But it looks bad. And that's 90% of building up a good plaintiff's case is finding facts that simply look bad. Yep. So I really advise people to say, like, look, you can't control what you know, people's religious activities are off-site. Yeah. But really, really discourage it from happening at company time, company property, pro- company time and property, but encourage them to take that somewhere else and to make it very clear that while some of the people engaging in that happen to work together, this has nothing to do with work. Agreed. So... So... Uh- was there anything else that you wanted to bring up about this very interesting case? Because I had one more thing. Yeah. Fire away. So it's interesting. So this is one of those few times where we actually talked briefly before we went on. About- right. Just because we both knew all about this. Twitter has been all a Twitter about it. It's just been hard to avoid. And and so I, Dennis told me that he wanted to talk about it, which I thought was great because I wanted to talk about it too. I actually had another interesting angle to this that I wanted yeah, to, to talk about. So you had mentioned, uh, and I forget the first name, last name, Dahl. Oh, Joel. Joel Dahl. And that got me to thinking about another famous doll in Roll. Oregon. Roll Dahl. <laughs> Author of... Uh, the BFG. And um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Danny the Champion of the World. The That James and the Giant Peach. James and the Giant Peach. Does our special guest have another... The Witches, maybe? Yeah, no. The Witches. Okay. I'm not familiar with that one. But no, not Rolled Doll. Not Rolled. Dave Doll. Doll. Dave Doll. Another Oregonian of repute. Woohoo! Yeah. So Go Ducks. So Dave Doll, and there's a reason why this comes up, and I, there's no relation, actually. I checked yeah. this out. There's no, no relation between the two dolls, but there is something related. Yes. They Dave, have a related history. Dave Doll, I'm not going to go into a long amount of history here, but is an ex-con who I believe, tell me if I'm wrong here, I believe he learned or spent a lot of time learning to bake while he was in prison. Actually, you are somewhat incorrect on that Is that not true? Dave's family ran and continues to run a company here in Portland called Nature Bake. So he actually comes from a baking, bread-making family. So it wasn't a new skill acquired in prison? No. Okay. In any event. But what he did do in prison is got clean and helped his mental health. Yes. Came out of prison and started Dave's Killer Bread. Right. Which began as a subsidiary of NatureBake. He went back to the family business and they helped him set up his own line of breads known as Dave's Killer Bread. Uh, Dave's Killer Bread is now the number one organic bread in America. Woohoo! Go Dave! Distribution in all 50 states as well as in Canada. Wow. Um... And approximately one in three of the more than 300 employees at the company, uh, right across the river from us here in Milwaukee, Oregon, uh, has a criminal background. Wow. So I thought that was a very interesting fact. makes sense, uh, given the branding and theme around the company, but also 
in light of this story out of Albany that we were just talking about with dolled up, yeah. um, both of these employers appear to be second chance employers. They are. And for, for our listeners, what do you mean by a second chance employer? That we are providing employment opportunities to people who were previously uh, convicted of crimes. Right. Uh, and it's not something we've ever talked about. And no. I don't, I don't think... In, it, in a day when there are many employers who use criminal background checks to screen people out because of their criminal background. Yes. And I believe that we have a much larger frame uh, framework to talk about at some point in the future about, oh, yeah, like about the, the EEOC and criminal background checks yes. and how you should be handling those. And I don't want to do that today. What your employment applications look right. like. All and that stuff. the box and all that kind of stuff. And it's actually, there's a lot there that we haven't talked yeah, about before. Yeah, that'll be an upcoming segment. But I just wanted to call out that I thought that notwithstanding the significant problems that Dolled Up has... Uh, with regard to uh, the religious component of that case, that it did call out that these are this is an employer, as is Dave's Killer Bread, both local, that are providing that second chance. And if your business is one that is the right sort of industry, and one could argue that any business is the right sort of industry, to be giving those second chances to individuals, uh, I just wanted to call that out as a good thing, a good society. Yeah, we, we incorporate ex cons back into the workplace. It decreases recidivism. It. We should start a second chance law firm. Yeah. For all the jailhouse lawyers out there. Yes. It's a brilliant idea. Yes. Then give. <laughs> we just got to work with the bar to you know get them to start get letting convicted felons, felons to into the bar. It's a bit of a barrier. barrier. Yeah. That that's a you you get started on that. Well, first, I'm going to go out and get convicted of a felony. Step one. <laughs> Step two, get released. Step three, second chance law firm. There you go. So anyway, I just wanted to call out that that fact um, and interesting comparison between those two companies yeah. uh, and some of the good work that they do. And in the doll construction case, the dolled up construction case, um, our friend Mr. Coleman served prison time for delivering methamphetamine and child neglect. He's been clean and sober for four years. Mr. Dahl, the owner of the company, also in prison for methamphetamine-related crimes. Welcome to Oregon, by the way. He's now clean and sober and, and running a business. It's I actually find it really unfortunate, all joking aside, that this went the way that it did. I think he probably could have incorporated his business efforts, his rehabilitation efforts, and his religious convictions, all in a consistent and lawful way, he's simply not getting the advice he needs in order to do that. So hopefully this will all get sorted out in a way that will allow him to continue his business and continue his rehabilitation efforts, let him practice his religion in a way that um, doesn't impinge on the freedoms and rights of others. Agreed. And on that note, let's take a quick break, clear our throats, and we'll be back with more Hostile Work Environment. And our special guest. We're back with the Hostile Work Environment, and right now we have a very special guest. You want to introduce yourself? Hi, my name's Elodie, and I'm nine years old. Elodie, and she's nine years old. Are you related to anybody in this room? Yes. Who? Mark. Mark. Oh, yeah. How are you related? Uh, he's my dad. Cool. 
And um, we want to take the opportunity to get the perspectives on the modern workplace from the viewpoint of a nine-year-old. You down with that? Yes. All right. So first off, we're actually in a workplace right now. What do you think? I think it's nice. It's nice, huh? We're in we're in what we call Studio B, which is the offices of Bullard Law here in Portland. We're on the 19th floor. Got a nice view, huh? Yes. Very pretty view. Would you want to work here? Yes. Only because of the view, though. Right? Not because of the work. No. Work is boring. Work is boring. What, what can we do to make work more fun? Uh, eat ice cream every day. Eat ice cream every day. That's a great idea. Um, what else could we do? Um, we could have pajama parties. Pajama parties at work. I can't see how that could go wrong at all. Mark, what do you think? Pajama parties? Why not? Why not? They still have to meet the dress code. Yeah. So just, just I would just say, like, you know, change the dress code to allow for pajamas. What do you think? Very good. Very good. So we have some recurring issues that we somehow sometimes talk about here in the hostile work environment that I want to get your take on. Do you, do you know what recurring? No. Can you ask him to explain? Because he's using big words. Oh, sorry. What's the word again? Recurring. recurring. Things that we talk about again and again. That come up a lot. You down with that? Yes. Okay. So the number one workplace issue that we deal with is farting. People who <laughs> fart at work. <laughs> now, I want to get your take. Should people fart at work or not? Yes. We have a pro-farting viewpoint from our nine-year-old listener. Shocking. Why? Why is farting at work good? Because it's smelly. And, and smelly is a good thing? Why is smelly good in the workplace? Because it's not. It's not? Are you, so are, is, are you telling us the opposite of what you really think? Yes. Oh, okay. okay. So we shouldn't fart in the workplace? All right. Okay. That was, that was a, little, a little bit back and forth there. Okay, next question. Okay, sometimes... There's boys and girls in the workplace who engage in inappropriate things. What should we do with those boys and girls? Ignore them. Ignore them? Ignore the boys and girls or ignore the inappropriate things? Inappropriate things. And just let them do whatever they want? Yes. Okay. Mark, you good with that approach? Yeah, we've got, we've got an employment lawyer in the making here. You're raising a wonderful daughter. Yes. I, can, I can tell that. So, last question for so you. So, let me, let me ask the question. Okay. A little follow-up. Is it okay, then, to let people in the workplace do mean things to each other? No. Okay, so when Dennis says inappropriate things, you don't think of mean things. You think, like, silly things? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, maybe Dennis should rework the question. Yes. Okay, so to mean things. <laughs> okay. okay, should people be allowed to do mean things at work? No. And what should we do with people who do mean things at work? Tell them to stop. Tell them to stop. What if they don't stop? Tell someone. Who? A grown-up. A grown-up. Wow. Workplaces need some grown-ups. I actually think that that is wise beyond her years. I think so. I think she just adequately described the Ellerth Farragher defense. Pretty much. Yes. So, employment lawyer in the making. You could be a Supreme Court justice. 
that got a tongue wag. Massive tongue wag. Some Gene Simmons action right there. I'm yes. impressed. Last question. So, under the Fair Labor Standards Act, if a physician who would normally be exempt from overtime works on a purely periodic basis without set hours, are they properly classified as exempt or could they be classified as non-exempt? Which would be better? What does exempt mean? Um, that means they are paid a salary as opposed to an hourly wage. And she's thinking. She's thinking about it. Exempt or non-exempt? I, 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 I think she fell asleep during the question. Okay. But that's an important part of what we do here at the it hostile is. work environment. You know, the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act is our bread and butter. Absolutely. So, so I think two out of three, we saw the makings of a budding employment lawyer. Absolutely. You're going to have to go to law school to pick up on number three. But thank you for joining the hostile work environment, everybody. Ellie Alla fans. What do you say? Thank you. Be right back, folks. Now we come to that very special time in the hostile work environment where Mark tells one of the stories submitted by our listener. Well, in this case, we just, have, it is just a listener. In this yeah, case. I was kind of confused. We have multiple listeners, but we're Shocking, only going to read a story from one of them right now. So, Mark, take it away. Okay. Do you, do you know what a hoagie is? I do know what a hoagie is. How would you define a hoagie? I would define it as a elongated sandwich on a roll. Okay. Like a um like, like a sub. Like a sub. Or a um there's other words for that. Grinder. Grinder, I, I believe, a is used hero. in some parts of the country. A hero. Here's one. A spucky. I have never heard of a spucky. I never spucky. heard that either, but I'm looking at an article and that's that's actually a name. A po boy. I've heard of Poe Boy. Yeah, that's more Louisiana. Yeah. Right? Um, Spucky just sounds vile. It sounds like something you would, like, spit onto a sidewalk. Yeah, so I agree. <laughs> um, so I come from Philadelphia. Right. As you know. And in Philadelphia, like, if you look at hoagies, hoagie is a really a Philadelphia kind of term for, oh, okay. for a sub sandwich. But um, specifically one that is um, cold. Oh, yeah. I would. The way I grew up, it was a hoagie would be a cold sub sandwich and a grinder would be a hot one. Oh, like I you never... Like your chicken parm sandwich from the... Oh, I never understood that shop, as a that difference. A grinder. Oh, okay. A, now, I don't believe that that is something that necessarily extends outside of the Philadelphia area uh, in terms of that specific nomenclature, but if you Google hoagie, mostly Philadelphia stuff comes up on Google first. Right. Before you get to the rest of it. So I have a story uh, from a listener called Hoagie Gate. Hoagie Gate. Any story including gate in the title is just that much better. Clearly. Clearly. So um, at the subject of this message is there's no hero in Hoagie Gate. Oh, my God. Come on. That Okay, that was pretty good. Okay, this comes from an avid, self-described avid fan of the podcast. Uh, this comes from early in her career, um, and uh, here we go. I'll never forget 
one of my first HR experiences, as we now refer to as Hoagie Gates. It was a typical Friday afternoon, and my boss and I were doing some online training when one of our customer service reps, Karen, came running down the hallway and banged on our office door. The doors were glass, so her expression of fear is really what sticks in my <laughs> mind. We motioned her to come in. She was a mess. Picture Cosmo Kramer entering your office with the hysterics of George Costanza. She proceeds to tell us that her boss was just fired her, and she doesn't believe that her boss has that power. My HR director boss had a rule that all terminations went through her, so we agreed that this required further review before she was officially terminated. We told her that she wasn't fired and that she needed to calm down, go into the office next door, and we would find out what happened. We called her boss immediately, who actually didn't answer because she was also running through the halls in an attempt to get to mom first. <laughs> she didn't. Now, this woman was a female Doc Brown. Or Doc Brown? I'm not sure I follow that one. Back to the Future? Oh, oh, gotcha. Slightly younger, but hair strung out with huge bulging eyes. She told us that <laughs> Sounds she, like a real looker. <laughs> Sorry. It's not about that. <laughs> she told us that she just fired Karen for stealing hoagies from the company. Oh, no. We were quite confused as we were a small suburban corporate office and there was no cafeteria, nor did we sell hoagies. That's a slight problem there. <laughs> what we came to find out is that a vendor brought in lunch for a meeting and there were extra sandwiches left in the lunchroom for employees to eat as a snack or for their lunch if they hadn't eaten already. Yeah, that's what people do. That That is one of those things, Ellie, that happens in workplaces is somebody will order a lunch and there'll be some stuff left over. And then they'll send out an email and say, anybody who wants to get that sandwich can get that sandwich. Yeah. And you, what's that? I call getting it. She calls getting it. Okay. She, All right. Ellie's a big sandwich fan. Well, there is a there is a phenomenon in every American workplace where around one o'clock, there is a certain crew of people who start hanging out in that break room, hoping that there will be free food. Yes. And they'll wait to see if there is any before they'll go out and actually buy their own lunch. Which is wise. It's, it's wise. Okay. A woman who sat next to Karen overheard her calling her husband uh, to tell him that he didn't have to bother making dinner as she was bringing home food tonight. She proceeded to go into the lunchroom and wrap up four sandwiches. Oh, I know. She's hogging the hoagies. Hence our issue here. Um, you can't hog the hoagies. Karen's neighbor would eventually report her to said Mrs. Doc Brown. Now, normally, while this is strange behavior, I'm not sure you'd classify this as a terminable offense. No. This woman, however, had been a constant problem with a personnel file the size of encyclopedia volumes A through M combined. <laughs> she always seemed to weasel out of getting canned. So crazy that over the life of her employment, she managed to microwave her cell phone, breaking the company microwave. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. Breaking the company microwave. Did she uh, fall for that? You need to do that to to, to charge it directly. I, I don't know, but I have heard about people falling for that. And yeah. it's ridiculous. Anyway, okay. She's too dumb to work there. She put customers on hold to go talk to her husband in the bathroom on her cell phone. Uh, she asked a woman who had returned to work after maternity leave, uh, when are you due? Uh <laughs> Yeah, think about that for a second. Uh, and told a woman who was uh, eight months pregnant, are you sure you aren't carrying, carrying twins? You're huge. And proceeded to touch the woman's stomach. She was a doozy. Indeed. Anyway, back to Hoagie Gate. 
Karen, in the meantime, had called her husband to report the incident of her being fired, and her manager said harassment, and then proceeded to leave the building with our instructions to cool down and come back on Monday to discuss. To this day, we're not sure if she left with or without the sandwiches. <laughs> the office cleared out as it was a summer Friday, and all that remained was Karen's manager and the HR director, who actually happened to be lunch buddies, though this is unrelated to the story. Upon them well, they leaving, were mad they didn't have hoagies to share. Right? Because the hoagie hog hogged Hoagie them hog hogged the hoagies. Yeah. Upon them leaving the Horribly. building. Horribly hogged the hoagies. Upon them leaving the building, Karen's husband pulled into the parking lot like Speed Racer and proceeded to shout curse words at the two of them in the parking lot. Words similar to episode 40, <laughs> titled See You Next Monday, <laughs> that I don't care to type, and the B word on repeat. You bitches, how dare you fire my wife? She's nothing but a good employee, and you two deserve to go to hell. Oh. My boss could sense his uncontrollable anger and quickly scurried to her car. Doc Brown also followed to her car, had been on the other side of the lot. Karen's livid husband proceeded to park his car perpendicular to her car, blocking her from pulling out of the space. My boss now panics, picks up her phone and calls 911. Good call. Which is a good call. I'm not actually sure that's even a panic call. That's just a good that, that's call. That's just wise. This guy's unhinged. Yeah. The cops show up within a few minutes uh, and charge him with disorderly conduct and disturbing the peace. And hogging of hoagies. Uh, well, he, he he received the hog hoagies. He's an accessory after the fact. Yeah, our nine-year-old critic was just... Correcting me. Correcting Dennis off mic. Um, what a shit show over hoagies. Karen would remain employed after hoagie cake. I don't believe the company pressed charges against the husband, but they restricted him from ever setting, stepping foot on their property or attending any company-sponsored events like the company picnic. <laughs> Side note, I used to have to send out a separate email to Karen after announcing the family company picnic to remind her that her husband was not welcome. Years passed and Karen's file continued to grow with other hysterical and crazy nonsense. She would outlive me in that organization. I often think of her and that crazy Friday afternoon when I see free food after meetings. That's awesome. It's amazing what people will do for a free meal or three in her case. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of? There was an early season episode of The Simpsons where Homer gets the sandwich. Yes. It's like a 40-foot sandwich yes, that's left over from the there. company picnic behind the radiator and it yes. turns gray. and yeah. He keeps going and eating it. Eventually yeah. he gets sick. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, I, I, I see that. Have you I ever had a, a case that you name a gate? Yeah, I'm sure like a million of them. Yeah, I had a wedgie gate. Nice. And I had a breast gate. <laughs> those were good gates. So those those were both good gates. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for the story, Mark. Um, and, and thank you to our listener who especially I'm thank going you to dub Holly Hoagie. Holly Hoagie. Who doesn't hog hoagies horribly? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, something that we do on occasion is thank our Patreon patrons. And I think it's time that we do that. I don't think Ellie's a Patreon yeah, patron. Ellie, Ellie wants us to Sorry, thank her. Ellie. Thank you for being on the podcast, Elodie, but you are not a patron. When you turn your allowance over to the podcast, then we can talk. But people who do turn at least a portion of their allowances over to the podcast include... 
our friend Sean McGuire. Thank you, Sean. He's been on the podcast. You know why? He gives us 40 bucks. 40 bucks gets you on the show. Thank you, Sean. Also, Colleen Coco, Corey and Tia Vance, Aaron Steinhilber, Alyssa Hernandez, Aaron Meyer, Aaron Myers, Nate Joma, Nicole Roberts, Liz Large, Tammy Kravitz, Ryan Vesey, Jordan George, Heidi Pancake, and... Dan Grinfis. No. Dan doesn't donate em- enough. We do not mention him on the podcast. He I'm going to edit that out. You're going to yeah. edit that out. I, a, a lovely guy, I but... Forgot the, I forgot the threshold. It's 10 bucks. Damn it. Yeah. But no, I thought you were going to get it. It's Jason Gardner. Oh, Jason Gardner. I, are you going in reverse order? Yeah. I go top I, down. I just assumed that you already covered him at the beginning because he's that important. No. He is, our, however, we Save love, the best we, for we last, especially love Jason because he was our very first, very first patron. patron, yeah. So we have a whole bunch of people at the $1 to $5 range. Dan Grinfis. Yeah. In <laughs> fact, and there's one person, and I assume they did this because they choose to remain anonymous, but they actually are supporting us at $9.99 per, per month. One because penny shy. They don't want their name. Of getting their name read. So I'm not going to name it, but she knows who she is. And thank you very much. Yes. So if you want to help support us on Patreon, get your name read on occasion, maybe get access to the Patreon-only episodes, go to www.patreon.com slash HWE. You can sign up. You can be showered with awesome stuff. Yes. Not really. You'll get some free episodes. But, yeah, which you know. I think we have another one to post. We have another one to post this week. For, for September. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's something that we forgot to talk about at the beginning. What's that? Where are we going next weekend? We are going to Pittsburgh, PA. That's right. Dennis and I will both be attending the Ashra conference. Not the Ashram. Not the Ashram. That's where we go to do meditate. You, do you but... know off the top of your head what Ashra like what the full acronym is because every time I try to do it I mangle it it's A-S-H-A-R-A yeah but like what is what do each of those stand I think for? it's American Society of Healthy Human Resources Administrators I don't know it's 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 healthcare HR right and we are both going to be at that conference we're not speaking at the conference no we're just hanging out and you know drinking free beer but, but if any of you are are at the conference or otherwise in Pittsburgh shoot us a note let yeah. us know we may even bring a recording device and you can tell a story. Yeah, we haven't decided yet. Yeah. It really depends on, you know, how sober you are and how good of a storyteller you are. That's right. And those two things are frequently related. So, yes. Which probably means, you Directly know. Directly or inversely, depending on the person. Yeah, it, depending on. So, you know, think about your own sweet spot and then approach us and we'll see if, if that'll work out. But no, we'd love to hear from our listeners there. Cool. So... All right. Anything else for the good of the order? No, I guess uh, I'll see you at the airport early on Saturday. Yeah, isn't it like, you know, crack it on? Yeah, I think we have like a 6.15 flight. Oh, who signed up for that nonsense? Anyway, I'll see you there. Thanks, Mark. Bye. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you.